down Are they gonna bail you out Or just run you around They said you should have a house The American way A dollar down, a dollar a month And you never have to pay Hi folks, this is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, coming to you once again from Arlington, Texas, today with episode 503. I think I said 503 yesterday, but yesterday was really 502. Uh, maybe it's because I'm reading, rereading the Dan Brown novel, Angels and Demons. I had 503 stuck in my head. For those that have read that book, you might know why. Um, but today we're going to stop and we're going to talk about the goals of the show, what I hope I'm accomplishing, what I hope I've accomplished up to now, and what I hope I will continue to accomplish going forward. What are the goals of this show? It's been a long time since we talked about that. I have a lot of new listeners coming uh, on board. Uh, it's amazing uh, the growth of the show at this point. It's it's almost starting to scare me a little bit, honestly. I was at you know open camp recently, and I had people walk up to me and go, "Hey, are you that guy? Or is you just wearing a shirt?" And uh, you know that's not really a survivalist haven. That's kind of a tech need geek haven, uh, general population. And having three different people walk up to me and ask me that question uh, really really shocked me. So. Since we have new people coming on board, and I'm talking to people every day and handing out business cards and saying, hey, you should listen to this, maybe once in a while we should pause and go back and talk about things we talked about in the first hundred episodes even, and how some of those things have changed and how some of those things, because they're principle-based, have stayed the same. We're going to talk about, really, the biggest goal I have is to change the way that people think. Um, and that might scare some people if you haven't listened before, so please give me a breath there. Changing how someone thinks is absolutely not changing what they think. How empowers what controls. And I think what the media does today is they tell us what to think. They offer us two primary options, two primary paradigms. One is liberal, one is conservative, one is Democrat, one is Republican. We'll talk more about that in a while. But basically, we're, we're taught to either think one way or the other way. And people are lied to and called independents because they occasionally make a decision for themselves and don't, you know, religiously follow one side or the other of that paradigm. And I'm not even talking about voting. I'm talking about daily life and daily living. And the control goes much deeper than that. And we're going to talk about unplugging from that control and changing how we think so that we can decide what we think for ourselves today. And the unique aspects of that for the modern survivalists. Before we do that, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ready-Made Resources. And uh, Ready-Made Resources gives you everything you need uh, to be ready for whatever goes wrong, whether it's catastrophic or small-scale and regional in nature, including great options for things like Mountain House, long-term food storage. And right now through Labor Day, they are running a sale. You can find out more about that by going to the survivalpodcast.com. Look at look for their banner uh, mentioning Mountain House at 25% off in the right-hand margin. Click on it. 25% off all Mountain House goods with free shipping through Labor Day. Check out Ready-Made Resources. Next up today, uh, sponsor number two of the day is 
common sense prep. What would you expect from common sense prep? Well, you'd expect common sense, rational ways to be prepared for emergency situations. One of the great things they have there is uh, called the H2O hog, a really innovative way to do water catch and water catch distribution across your property. Uh, check that product off. Out. Also check out their Paladin Press books. Paladin Press has some of the most innovative survival and uh, you know just homesteading and skill-based books I've ever seen. Uh, some really cool kind of anti uh, anti-covert spy stuff too. Uh, things about identity identity you know changing identity protection things like that. And uh, remember, if you're a member support brigade member, you get all of those books at 15% off with a special discount code in your members area. Next up, make sure that you're connecting with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you're checking out the Survival Podcast Gear Shop. And uh, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. Do that. You get exclusive content available only to members, including a ton of discounts, free ebooks. Members Brigade is a really cool thing. And I'm going to throw out a discount code today. It's going to be like a contest, but it's gonna basically I'm going to give you a code, and then you go try to use it to get a discount. And if you get the discount, you were one of the first eight people to do it. If you don't get the discount, you weren't one of the first eight people. Hold on, though, before I give that code out. Here is why I'm doing it today. I'm celebrating something that really cool that's happened this week, and I forgot to tell you guys about the last couple days. Uh, there's an event going on out in the Nevada desert called Burning Man. It's a great big thing where artists and self-sufficiency buffs, and it's just a massive conglomeration of people doing whatever the hell they feel like. And um, it's kind of cool, and you can learn more about it at, at Burning Man's website. I'll put a link today uh, there. But since there's a lot of self-sufficiency mindset in it, iTunes is featuring a, a group of shows for Burning Man Tips is what they're calling it. And if you go to iTunes, uh, and go to the store, the iTunes store, and click on Podcasts on the front page today and yesterday and the day before, and I imagine through the rest of the week, you'll see a section of podcasts recommended for people that are going to Burning Man. Uh, that's putting us prominently on the front page of the podcast section of iTunes because the survival podcast is listened there. A listener told me about that. I actually had the server restart twice the first day they did it, uh, sending so many new people. So that's a big deal. So I'm celebrating that. If you want to join the Members Brigade for $25 for your first year, that's half off. Um, the, the code is iTunes, I-T-U-N-E-S, iTunes. Uh, use that when you sign up. You have to use PayPal to be able to use that. First eight people get the first year at $25, recurring at 50 is normal. And, of course, you can cancel any time. So if you only want it for a year for $25, bucks, you are welcome to do that. All right, with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show, uh, which, again, is you know the goals that I have for this site. What I want... I, I, I think it's important that you understand something when I start talking about the goals of the Survival Podcast. These aren't my goals for the show. My goals for the show are business-oriented, how many listeners I want by the end of the year, and things like that. These are my goals for you, the audience, every single individual that listens. These are the things that I hope I'm passing on. This is the value I hope that I'm giving to you as a listener. I mean, you take the time to listen to this show, some of you guys download my show on your iPod or iPhone or MP3 player or BlackBerry. Uh, by the way, BlackBerry, you, or, um, anybody with an Android phone, we now have an Android app. You can uh, go into the Android Marketplace and search for Survive, and uh, you'll find our, uh, our Android app, Android users. Anybody that's out there doing those mobile devices, a lot of you guys, you know, you walk or you run or you exercise, you listen to my show. You get in your car, and instead of listening to these great 
you know, wonderfully produced radio shows that definitely have too many commercials, but I mean, they're professionally done. You end up listening to me, this amateur guy, uh, that's, that's out here talking about this stuff. So if you take your time, to listen to me, and you tell other people about what I'm doing, and you help me be successful, I hope the hell I'm giving you something back. And these are the things that I hope I'm giving back to America, at least to the small section of America that pays attention to my ramblings and my rants and everything else. The first thing is I really, and this is the biggest goal that I've always had, and that is I want to help people regain the basic knowledge of how things work. In America today. And I mean how everything works. Because see, we used to know this. The country bumpkin farmer, uh, in, in, you know, 1880 knew how the Constitution worked. He definitely knew how plowing a field worked. The, the Depression era father who had to fix everything in his home because he couldn't afford otherwise knew how a carburetor worked. They knew how a furnace worked. They knew how The TV worked. People used to fix their own televisions. That's We've probably technology-wise technology gone past that at this point. But there's basic skills, how to grow food, how to preserve food. Um, how does a car work? You know, that, that's important, too, that we understand the basic mechanics of an internal combustion engine so that when our car doesn't function, is there some way we can get it running again just to get out of danger or get away from, you know, we can't always wait for AAA to come with a tow truck. Great thing at the right time, but at other times it may not be possible. I want people to understand that our grandparents and our great-grandparents were really smart people. They were so much smarter than we give them credit for today. We look at them and we see kind of a, a technological ignorance. Many of them were so uh, so married to whatever faith they followed that they ignored science to to the point of exclusion of things that we take for granted as being known as general knowledge today. But when it came down to it, when it came down to how to live and live with purpose and live with pride, and live with a sense of fulfillment, they had something that we're so lacking today. And it starts with a mechanical knowledge, but it becomes a deeper knowledge. A deeper knowledge that we're responsible for ourselves. And that that's the way that it is, no matter what illusion has been created around us, where we think, well, now we have, you know, surgeries to fix our, our, you know, failure to eat right. We have surgeries to fix our failure, to, you know, to not eat too much. We have, you know, a, a police department that will come if somebody's threatening us. We have a fire department that will come if our house is on fire. We have this belief today that society has evolved to such a state that there's so many things we can just forget about and go on with, you know, living what we think is the most important parts of our lives. Lives, it's not that way. We're still responsible for ourselves. We are still our own guardians, and we've forgotten that. My hope is that the things that we talk about, discuss, and the, the paths that it leads you down will lead you back to reconnecting with that knowledge. It'll lead you to finding a mentor if you've never shot to teach you how to be a good shot and learn how to be a good American rifleman. That'll, you'll find gardening mentors that'll teach you what grows in your area because I can only do so much with t giving you different varieties of things to grow. And, and you know, you have to look for the things that are actually best suited for your area. That people will start to reach out in community again and start to help each other become something that we used to be which was strikingly self-sufficient, self-reliant, independent people. America was probably the most self-reliant group of people in the world a hundred years ago. In fact, I would say we were. I would say 150 years ago, you can't even, you can't even 
think of another nation where people were as self-reliant as the people in this country were. And self-reliance by choice. That's the big thing. You can say, well, you know, there's this tribe here in Africa or, or, you know, aboriginal people in Australia or something like that. And they were completely self-reliant were people here. But the, the thing about the people that were in this nation is they had a choice. They could have stayed in the East Coast or just gone directly by train to the West Coast. But we had people that went all through the middle of this country and went out by choice where they had no other option but to be highly self-reliant. They did it because they wanted to. That spirit is still in you. you know. And I don't care if you're from America or from any other country, you're a recent immigrant, or you live somewhere else right now. We have people that listen from Italy, Spain, Portugal. Uh, we have a strikingly large number of people that listen in Iraq, and not just our soldiers and contractors there, but Iraqis themselves. You guys bless me by listening to me. You know, all over the world. So when I say something like that, don't see it as nationalistic arrogance because it's in your chest too. That strikingly, that, that big desire for self-sufficiency, that big desire for independence, it's in every human being because it's where we come from. We had no choice but to be self-reliant. For the majority of the time that man has walked the planet, we've had to be self-reliant. And the people that control the money have used technology as a false idol for us so that we will become dependent on technology and therefore dependent on income and therefore dependent on money and therefore we have money so that it can be pushed through the system to make them wealthier. That's not a conspiracy theory. That has nothing to do with whatever faith you have or do not have. You can be an atheist and understand that people can worship a false idol. And you can be a Christian and understand that people can worship a false idol. You can be a Muslim and understand that. And we have moved to a point today where people have idolized technology and science to the point of making it a god. And that's not good for anybody, no matter what your political leanings or what your religious leanings are. Because it takes away the individual responsibility. And that's what it really comes down to. One thing we can say for all of the world's faiths, and whether you agree with them or not, they do leave a tremendous amount of responsibility with the individual. Unfortunately, our modern world of credit cards and things that beep and flash and shine, and I'm not putting those things down individually, but our modern world that's created slavery to those things has left a lot of things that should be our responsibility, and we've been able to offload that responsibility to others. The sad thing is, it's not really been offloaded. We're still the ones that deal with our, with our, with our failures. We're still the ones that, when we make a stupid decision, have to deal with the consequences. We're the ones that end up in debt for fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars or more with a credit card. We're the ones that end up losing houses. We're the ones that end up losing jobs that we can't afford to lose versus walking away from jobs we don't want anymore. We're the ones that end up with all the pain, and we've had this illusion created that it's somebody else's fault. I want that gone. I want people to really believe that what I say every day is possible, and that is you can live the life you want if times get tougher, even if they don't. It is up to you, because you do have the power that I've just spent the last 10 minutes talking to you about. It is up to you whether or not you buy the house you can afford, or you buy the house that you think you can afford, or you buy the house that you damn well know you can't afford. And two of those are wrong, and only one is right, and you know what's right. 
When that loan officer tells you, ah, the government says you can have this much money, you know that's wrong. When the, when the guy that's selling you the house, the real estate agent, says, ah, if you just do a few improvements, you'll be able to dump this thing for even more money next time. Someone will always, the, the price will always go up. You know that's wrong. Because you know what's wrong, you also know what's right. Any person out there can stop in the middle of what you're doing right now and stop and think about all the decisions that you have to make. Pull yourself out like a third-party observer. Look down at them and make logical decisions. And 99% of the time, any decision that you have to make is remarkably easy if you'll do that. Sometimes a decision is not what you really want, but you know that it's what's right for you. And here's the thing. this You can call it universal karma. You can call it whatever you want. But when you do the right things for long enough, and not the right things that society tells you are right, Not the right things as far as go to the right school, buy the right car, get the right credit card, follow the plan, stay with one company for 20 years, go to church. I'm not putting you down if you do go to church, but are you doing it because you want to or because it's expected of you? When you do all the right things, quote unquote, because society has dictated those are the right things for you, you end up miserable. When you choose the right things based on your internal compass, your internal moral compass, and you do the right things that you know are right for you and those you love, eventually you end up with exactly what you really want. When you chase what you want in absence of what is right, eventually you end up with exactly what you do not want. Common sense wisdom of your grandmother. If your grandmother got a pre-approved American Express card, what would she have done with it? Would she have signed it and started blowing money she didn't have? Or would she have thrown the damn thing on the compost pile, piled a bit of chicken shit on top of it, composted it down to something actually useful, and threw it in her garden, grew a damn tomato with it? Which one would your great-grandmother have done? You know the answer. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents, they're screaming to you across the generations. Grab common sense. It will give you the life you want. It will take a little while to create it. And the longer you've lived in the false dreams of society, the longer it'll take to repay that debt, both financial and call it karmic. Call it whatever it makes it make sense to you the longer it will take you to pull yourself out of the hole you've dug yourself into. But once you're out of that hole, it's clear sailing ahead. I also want people to get over words like Democrat and Republican and conservative and liberal. If you believe that when we turn the Congress over and possibly the Senate over to the Republicans this year, that things are really going to change a lot, I have bad news for you. It didn't happen last time. It didn't happen the time before, and it didn't happen the time before that. Our country has gotten to a point where our politicians are so bought and paid for by special interests that no matter what the rhetoric that comes out of their mouth is, we get the same thing. Bigger government, more regulations, and higher taxes. Even when we have politicians that seemingly lower taxes, we get new taxes, we get new fees. And as we start looking at it, how long the average American waits works to pay taxes and fees and everything else that goes to the government has gotten longer and longer in a greater part of the year, over and over, under every president and under every Congress and under every Senate that we've ever had. The government has refused to scale that back in any meaningful way for over a hundred years. What the government is doing is not as important as the fact that the government is doing things they should not be doing in the first place.
So we have to break the left-right paradigm. We have to stop thinking that when Jack says something that sounds a little bit liberal, that he's also liberal on every other subject. Or when I say something that's obviously a conservative viewpoint on a particular issue, that I'm conservative on every other, uh, you know, every other issue. And it's not just about me, it's about anybody else. The problem is we have been so effectively warred against that we immediately look at every other person, if we care about politics at all, and we see an enemy or an ally, and it's one or the other, and it cannot be anything in between. Every single thing that might impact gun ownership is seen as a conspiracy to take away our guns. And there's plenty of people out there trying to take away our guns. But not everything that we see is someone trying to take a gun away from us. The recent thing with the EPA and some bunch of bird huggers wanting to ban lead shot was not about taking away your guns. It just wasn't. And it failed. But we had so many people screaming and yelling from the right. Look what they're doing. It's a track. It's a trap. It's a trick. It's Eric Holder. He's behind it. I know. Eric Holder had nothing to do with it. And we have so many things like that. That's just one recent example where it's the evil Democrats, it's the evil Republicans. We have discussion boards where people talk about conservative issues and refer to Democrats as Democrats. And we have discussion boards on the other side, I've seen this, where Republicans are called Republicans. We are freaking Americans. Okay? We are Americans and they are politicians. When you insult somebody because of their political affiliation that stands beside you and works the same way you do and deals with the same crap you do, you're missing the point. It's not us against them. It's the people against the government at this point. There's a place for government. It's about 10% of what it is doing today. It doesn't matter what you think left or right. And here's the big thing. We're not going to change it. And we're not going to change it. It's certainly not going to change it anytime soon. So you better start living your life on your terms, no matter what those clowns in Washington or at your state capitol, or if you're in another nation, what the clowns in your government do. Because government has this problem chronically throughout the entire freaking globe right now. Every government in existence today is trying to solve its people's problems instead of get the hell out of the way so people can fix their own problems. I've been told that's a cold viewpoint, that my libertarian philosophy is cold. It is not cold to believe that when somebody works hard to earn something, it is theirs and they should be able to keep it. And if they give, they should give by choice, not at the point of a gun. And if you don't think we're giving at a point of a gun, don't pay your taxes and see who shows up at your house. That is not cold. It is not cold to believe the individual has sovereignty over their own life and should be able to make their own choices. And there are things that we cannot change right now. But one thing we should not allow to be changed is the way we think and feel about who we are and what we are. If you can feed yourself, if you can provide your own energy, if you can be prepared for a disaster, if you can live the life you choose, you disempower your government, not in a ballot box. You disempower your government by denying its authority over you and declaring your sovereignty as an individual. That's not Democrat or Republican or even Libertarian. It's freaking human. This nation needs to start acting like what it is, and this world needs to start acting like what it is. A, a group of 6.7 billion sovereign human 
beings, each with our own rights, each with our own choices. And as long as we're not infringing on the rights of others, then we should be free to live our lives as we choose. That has nothing to do with political affiliation. And any belief that you have that it does, trust me, dig deep, look for the lies you've been lied to and you've been sold that to drive a wedge between you and your brothers and your sisters so that a few can control you. Stop being controlled. This isn't some high-tech, nonsensical conspiracy theory, mind-control chip, you know, microchip computer crap. No. This is basic human psychology. It's been used by rulers since there was a ruler. A divided people are easy to manipulate. A united people are impossible to manipulate. We need to unite on principles. We need to unite on commonalities. And the divisive crap, we need to just look at the underlying founding law of the the nation and you'll find that most of the decision has been made by the founding law of the country. And it doesn't matter what side you're on, you should also be asking yourself, Do the go- does the government have a right to do this? And you'll find that it does not, in many instances. I want us to always be willing to look at our economy, honestly, with no emotion, but I don't want us to completely focus on gloom and doom. There are so many people in the self-sufficiency, self-reliance, preparedness, uh, alternative economic view industry that are brilliant people. And they really are on top of things. They really understand how screwed up it is that we have a fiat money system. They understand how evil it is that we have a federal reserve that controls our currency like a monopoly game. They understand all of these things. But they understand them so well that they lose complete faith that there even is an economy. The whole thing is an illusion. There is an economy. The U.S. dollar is not the economy. It is the collective agreement we have as a people right now as a means of exchange of energy. And if the dollar fails, the economy won't go away. We will come to a new thing that we view as a means of exchange for the exchange of energy. And what I mean by that is, you do work, I give you dollars. You expended energy in return for a set fee. Now, when you go buy something from a guy down the street who grew a plant and sells you its fruit, you're exchanging a portion of your energy with a symbol, a dollar, in return for his energy production, a fruit. There will always be an economy, and our economy, despite its problems, is incredibly robust. The underlying wealth of this nation is incredible. And there is opportunity going forward if you're smart. And it does not mean go throw all your money in gold. That's a great way to get your kneecaps broke. A hundred years in the future, it may pay off. Fifty years in the future, it may pay off. Ten years in the future, it may pay off. But we got to live on the in-between here. There's a place for dollars or, if, or, or euros or pounds or yen or rupees or rubles. There's a place for every currency today and being wise about it. Don't focus on gloom. When you, you, I don't know how many times I've seen special alerts. The entire economy is going to collapse tomorrow morning. Liquidate your 401k IRA and go into 100% gold tomorrow. Pay the penalties. Don't worry. It will be, the money will be worthless by September whatever. We had five or six of those from the same ass clown come out in a two-year period. I don't remember his name now. And every time it came out again, people were panicking. I'm like, why are you listening to this idiot? He's already said this three times. His end dates have already come and gone three times. 
Being informed about the economy doesn't have to result in a point where you are petrified to actually hold money in dollars. Now, if you're worth a billion dollars and you're holding all of it in dollars right now, I think that's pretty stupid. And I don't think anybody with a billion dollars is doing that. And that tells us something about diversification. But for the average American to think that we're going to be able to keep all our wealth in gold and still remain liquid where we can actually go out and buy something tomorrow is ridiculous. So it shouldn't even be considered. What has to be considered is expanding on these ideals the way that I did with my last show on the economy where we look at things like how can we invest in land? How can we make sure we're buying things that actually are going to last us a long time? Yeah, we should own a little bit of precious metal. 10% of our wealth in precious metal. Probably a great idea. Probably a great idea. But we do need to pay attention to the economy without normalcy bias. My big problem with the economy is no one should have been as hurt as they were in the economic bust of 2008. Everybody knew it was coming. Everybody knew, and those that tell you now nobody knew, are lying to you. They knew, and pride and arrogance and normalcy bias got in the way of intellectual thought. When we looked at the foreclosure rates climbing, when we looked at the unemployment rate climbing, when we looked at all the bad loans that we knew were out there that were about to happen, there was nothing else. And when we looked at the dividends that were tied to the real estate market that went into every piece of the economy based on finance, even if it looked a million miles away from real estate, when we looked at that, there was no other outcome than a complete collapse. What happened was the only thing that could have happened. And yet we denied it because we as a people have lost interest in the economy. All we want to know is, is it going up? Is my 401k balance higher than yesterday? Good. Is the temperature in my pool okay? Fine. Under the Clinton administration, it's the economy, stupid. The problem is that people believe as long as the economy looks like it's getting better, it's getting better. Many times that big roll up in the economy is actually the signal that disaster is coming. Economies are not designed to constantly move up and to constantly move up in exponential curves up. 40% returns you know, for the whole market in a single year are not normal. It doesn't make sense. When that happens, something is wrong. It's an indicator that something underlying the situation is really, really bad. We've lost that knowledge. Please make sure that you're informed about how the economy works. What the Federal Reserve is. What I mean, I can't go into this today, when I say that all the money in existence is loaned into existence. How debt is a leverage tool and how it's always used against the people furthest down in the equation. The American consumer, you're at the lowest level of the debt leverage. Which means all the leverage is exerted against you. That's why I want you out of debt. I also hope that we can teach America as a community, as a whole, not just this community, but all the survival communities, teach America to focus on self-sufficiency versus individual threats. Nothing has done more harm to the preparedness industry than the people out there who tried to make a fortune on it every time something came up. In 1998, 1999, going right up to the 2000, this industry was blowing and going. And everybody and their mother was getting into it. And everybody was going to come out with a preparedness product and a a directory and, and all these different things we could do to prepare for the 2000 bug. And the whole of society was going to collapse 
in you know January 1st, 2000, because the computers were going to explode. And when it didn't happen, people felt lied to. Because they prepared for an event. Instead of focusing on self-sufficiency and self-reliance and independence, because everything in this world is going haywire, and that there are systems of support that eventually must fail. They must fail. They cannot possibly keep up with the demands that society is placing on them. Maybe I need to focus on some of my own independence and self-sufficiency. Instead of teaching people that if you change the way that you live, to live the way that you really want to, if we take off all the Madison Avenue lies that you've been sold, preparedness makes your life better and actually builds wealth in your life better than anything else in the world. Instead of telling people that, people wanted to sell a case of MREs. People wanted to sell a book. People wanted to sell anything and everything they could possibly sell. And it's happening again right now. Right now, everybody and their mother wants to be in this industry. Why? Because it's taken off again. I'd like to think that I have had something to do with it, and I apologize for the negative that comes from it, but I'd like to think that my success has been something that other people have tried to emulate, and that they see the growth and they want to be in this. But I'll tell you what, a big part of it is this nonsense around 2012. And on December 22nd, 2012, when the world hasn't split in half, and a Mayan hasn't risen up from the core with a giant fiery spear and smouted the planet, or whatever other nonsense some website's telling you, and all the people that get pulled into the hype, especially next year. Next year will be the beginning of the real hype. Every person that's trying to sell Bible prophecy, which to me is just abysmal, when people commercialize religion that way, is going to really build it up in 2011. Everybody in the preparedness industry is going to start this nonsense about, well, we don't really think 2012, but, you know, look at the solar storms forecasted, and, you know, there is this, and we just had the scare with the pandemic, and is that just the interim stage of mutation? And people are going to start making very compelling cases in 2011 for 2012. And as we build up toward that end date, and the media goes into hysteria over it, you're going to see this industry climb like it did in 1999. And you're going to see it blow out a big bubble bust right into 2013. And my show will be here, and we will still be stable, and we will still be growing, because we're focused on being self-sufficient for the right reasons. Not because some Mayan made a calendar a few thousand years ago. One is grounded in fact, and rational thought, and benefits the individual no matter what happens. If times get bad, it benefits you to be prepared. If times don't get bad, you have a more self-sufficient, self-reliant, more fulfilling life, and you're able to build your wealth versus squander it. And the other way, bets on failure. Bets on gloom and doom. I want this industry to get some freaking morals underneath its feet and focus on people being prepared for anything. We are not preparing for the end. Whatever the hell the end is in your mind. The end is coming. No. Changes come. Society and human beings have been reduced in a bottleneck at one time in our society. It wasn't fiat currency and it wasn't pandemic. 
We're not even really sure what it was. But the population of the planet was reduced from millions down to a few thousand at one point in history. We've been able to see that. And here we are. Anything other than an extinction level event, society will rebuild. We will put it back together and things will change. And the odds of that, the odds of something that's completely cataclysmic, are as much lower than the odds that you're going to need to be prepared for a storm, or for a job loss, or for your government getting really stupid and creating the real Second Great Depression. Because this ain't the Great Depression too, folks. I hate to tell you this, I think by 2012 it might be. 2013 might really be. I hope it holds off. And I'll tell you why. Because everybody in the industry that's just out for a buck in 2012, if it's getting worse and worse and worse, they're going to go, see, look, this money is worthless. Now give me some of your money. <laughs> really, if my money's worthless, why do you want it? You know, the guy that sells you gold that way. We needed to start realizing self-sufficiency is what it's all about. I want to establish preparedness as an American value the way it was one time. You know, at one time in America, being prepared was a principle. It was a value. It was a core value of the American people. People bragged about how many jars of pickles they put away this year. It is time to take our country back. It really is. But it's time that we do it for ourselves as individuals. You and I do not have to agree on a political issue. We do have to agree on principles. Principles that create the unity of our nation. Principles that create the unity of our planet. Principles like honor, knowledge, service, respect, liberty, and self-sufficiency, and self-reliance, and independence. Those are human principles. And if you don't think that, let me tell you something. Do you want to be somebody's lapdog? Nobody really wants to be dependent on anything. They want the illusion of freedom, at least. Why do you think that people that are on food stamps or welfare or any other government assistance program eventually start acting like they're entitled to it? Do you think it's just because they're lazy, worthless human beings? Absolutely not. Absolutely not, in no way, shape, or form. They've been kind of put into a place in society where they become dependent to a point where they stop learning they don't really know how to be independent anymore that's one of the reasons these programs fail but then they start calling it my food stamps my welfare my assistance my whatever kind of money it is mine as though it's theirs not a gift from taxpayers like you and me that work our ass off so that they can have it you know why they do that because in their hearts they want to be independent They want to feel like they've done something to earn it. Like somehow they must deserve this because the truth that they're just being given it to them so that they'll just stay there and be nice and not cause problems in society. The truth that they're being used as a tool by the powers that be to control the workers. The truth in that is too hard to face. So they claim ownership and entitlement. Not because they're bad people, but because they've been abused by a system that's made them dependent And they're crying out for independence. And they just don't know what it is anymore. Because some of these people have been in the system of dependence for three and four generations now. And it's all they've ever known. Stop hating them. Start understanding what's been done to them. They are victims, but not in the way that the media says they're victims. They're victims of the very government agencies that say they're there to help. 
And those of you, again, that think that's cold, that's not cold. I see value in those people. I know that they could be meaningfully uh, contributing to society in some way. I know that those people are my brothers and sisters. I know they're worth more than living in the projects and being handed a check every month. I know they're worth more than that. I know that they're good, decent people. That if they could just break the paradigm that they've been lied to about, about themselves, and just stop being a cog in the works, could stand right next to you and be just as constructive toward the, the, the good of society and for their own independence as you are. And you've been lied to about them. If we unite under a principle of self-sufficiency, a principle of individual sovereignty and independence, it will scare the hell out of the government. And it will, it's not really the government either. The government's as big a tool in this as anybody else. Money runs the world today. Money controls the governments of the world today. There's an old philosopher, I can't remember his name, but he said when, when money exchanges hands, the one giving the money always has the power if it's given, not taken. Because when you give money, the hand giving is always higher than the hand receiving. Meaning that you're not in power over government because they take taxes from you because it's taking a gunpoint. But when I run Spearco Global Multinational Evil Corporation and I buy myself a couple dozen congressmen by contributing to their campaigns, I control them. They don't control me. Because I freely gave that money with an expectation of return. That's the problem we have today. But uniting on, you can't change it then by just changing who's in office. You have to change it by declaring your individual sovereignty and refusing to live the way society tells you you have to. I want you to pay attention to politics. I do. I don't want you ignorant of politics. I want you to know who says they stand for what, simply so when they don't do what they promised, you can hold them accountable for it. I want you to call your congressman. I want you to understand one fact about the United States government that no one wants to tell you today. Congressman Ron Paul is about the only person that's saying this today. The United States Congress, not the Senate, not the President, not the Judiciary, nobody is more powerful than Congress. Did you know that? Do you know why? Every single penny spent in this country, every penny comes from Congress. If Congress doesn't want a war, and they say, well, we can't, blah, 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 they could defund it like that, and they could pull troops home like that. I'm not saying whether they should or they shouldn't. That's for you to decide. All I'm saying is don't listen when they say, well, we'd like to, but we can't because this and that. No. If there's a law on the books that Congress doesn't like, and they say, we'd like to repeal this, but we need a two-thirds majority because of... No. All they need is a simple majority to defund it. Congress holds America's checkbook. And no thing that government does is done for free, and everything that government does requires money. That's why you're taxed. That's why you pay fees. That's why you pay everything that you end up paying to the government, the hidden stuff you don't even see. That's why you pay Social Security. It's not for your retirement. It's to fund their shit. And the Congress controls how that money's spent. And they can shut it off like that to any program that they want to. And the president can get mad and scream and yell, and the Senate can get mad and scream and yell, and the, and the governor, and the, the judiciary can say the law is this and you have to do it, and nothing freaking happens because there is no money. That's why the Congress were the branch that was elected purely by the people. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but originally our senators were not elected by popular vote. They were elected by the state legislature. 
The president was, of course, elected by the Electoral College, which is not necessarily a vote of the people. The, the judiciary was put in place by appointment of the president, right? But the Congress was given to the people. And each person voted for a single congressman who lived in their district. The founders did that because the Congress controlled the money and the money controls everything. And they were trying to use the power paradigm in reverse. They knew that the bankers were already controlling the world, even at the founding of America. And they said, well, what we'll do is we'll put the power to spend directly in the hands of the people so that if they control the money, they can exert the same type of supremacy of power as the powers that be. And some were wise enough to say, and if they ever figure out they can vote themselves money out of the treasury, it will be the end of the republic. I believe that was Benjamin Franklin that said that. And that's where we've gotten to today. Instead of using that power for liberty, our nation has turned to people that use that power to vote themselves entitlements. But they do it in ignorance. So I want you to pay attention to politics. But I don't want you to believe any of the politicians. I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. The only politicians you should believe are the ones that all the other politicians and all the news media say are crazy, lunatics, and what have you. The ones that are disowned. They're the ones that worm their way into the system. People like Dr. Ron Paul. They get in there. And they're so pure in what they're saying, they just can't get them out. So the only thing they can do is try to sideline them. Ron Paul is one of the people that gives me hope. One of the few. The big thing is I want you to know why you believe what you believe. I'm not going to tell you how to think. If you completely disagree with me on everything you, that I say, fine. I find it ironic when I get an email. I completely disagree with every one of your political ideals. Really? You know? And, and what it, it never ends up being the case. They've heard one or two they disagree with, so they think that I must be the enemy. Right? And that's the paradigm I want to break. But I don't care if you disagree with me. I don't care if I say this is stupid and you should call your congressman and tell him that you don't want this. You know what? I don't say that a lot. I don't talk a lot of politics. People say there's too much politics in the survival pocket. What are you listening to? Are you just purposely downloading the few on politics and listening to them over and over again? Most of the shows, I don't even talk about politics. But there are those things, you know? When, you know, healthcare was going on. I'm like, man, we need to... And what I would always say, though, is unless you disagree... If you think this is a good idea, call your congressman and tell him that, even though I don't really, you know, I don't like that. It doesn't make me happy, but hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. But please know why you believe that. Don't believe it because the TV told you so. Don't believe it because a congressman made a speech or a president made a speech. And I don't, again, I don't care what political stripe they are. Don't believe it because anybody said anything. Don't believe it because you got a freaking email that got passed through 57 people before it got to you that says that this is verified and confirmed without verifying and confirming it for yourself. It's okay for you to believe anything you want. You want to be a true believer in global warming? Fine. Don't believe the people that just say, the science is in, the science proves it, there's overwhelming research, and people say that to me, and I say, well, what research are you talking about? Well, the research. Really? What research? What papers have you actually read that tell you this? What opposing views have you actually read done by real scientists? If there's so much carbon dioxide being produced, what's the percentage of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere? They have no idea. Oh, 5%, 10%? 
How about a third of 1%? I'm not saying that it even proves anything. I'm just saying, don't you think you should know? And that's probably a bad, it's such a divisive issue. It's probably a bad example. Because most people know where I am on it. But it's a good example. Because it's an example where people run around and say things like, oh, it's already proven. Why do you say that? Well, because it is. How was it proven? Who proved it? What did you see? A couple graphs? Did you watch a propaganda film by Al Gore? The guy that claims he invented the internet? You want to hear the irony of the internet thing with Al Gore? I'll give you that today. You know what Al Gore means? This is, this is so important that we understand this. It's not about, again, I don't care that the guy's a Democrat. This is not about picking on a guy from the past that's easy to pick on. This is about how government thinks. Al Gore made the famous quote that he invented the internet. What he actually meant is the, 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 the very first real internet browser uh, was called Mosaic. And it came from, it was funded by a, a, a government uh, communications act of some sort. I don't remember which one it was. It was actually two that helped fund it. And then scientists and programmers and computer geniuses took the funding and developed the Mosaic browser and changed the way the internet looked. Instead of just being computers that could talk to each other and use raw text, the internet that we see images on and formatting on was born. And Al Gore was one of the senators that initiated that bill. So when he said he created the internet, he actually believed what he was saying because government believes if they pass a law and provide funding that they are actually the ones that are entitled to the results, the, the reward for the results. Not the countless people that actually did the work, and not the countless taxpayers that actually funded the work, and not the countless private businesses that invested in the work and made it popular for the public, and not the countless people that worked their ass off to create the internet. No, the guy that sponsored the bill created the internet. I bet most of you don't know the real... St I mean, I bet most of you have heard the statement and realized how preposterous it was, but I bet most of you didn't know why it was preposterous, what the man was actually saying. And he could have very well been a Republican and said the same thing. You know, the only thing that would have prevented a politician from stay, saying that would have been a public relations company doing its job and analyzing what the idiot was going to say before he opened his mouth. and going, no, 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 no. But any politician is capable of thinking that way because I proposed the bill, and someone else paid for it, and someone else did the work, I'm still responsible for its output. This is why we can't trust our government. This is what I say when I say we have to get rid of ignorance. I think that we need to see as a country, as a people, ignorance is the greatest enemy in all walks of life. Ignorance to how your car works, ignorance to how your government works, ignorance to how your money works, ignorance to how your school system works, ignorance to your local government, ignorance to how to make a fire when you don't have a match, ignorance to the fact that our, our, our food system uses just-in-time inventory and can run out of food in a week if one bubble anywhere in the multiple systems that support it ever shows up and creates a stop position. Ignorance is the enemy. The person that thinks differently than you is not the enemy. Even your congress clown is not the enemy. Barack Obama is not the enemy. Ignorance is your enemy. And I don't mean ignorance in like stupid. I mean not knowing, not understanding, not comprehending. Apathy.
That's the enemy of America. Apathy. If people were informed, even those who are diametrically opposed to each other would be still able to unite on principle and take this place back. But we can't do it with a new political party. We can't do it with re, you know, resurrecting an old political party that never made itself successful in the first place. We can't do it with spin on Fox News or MSNBC. We can't do it by changing the power structure of the United States by putting more R's or more D's in certain areas. We have to start with us, individuals, banishing ignorance back to the darkness where it belongs. Seeing knowledge is our most valuable asset. Teaching other people. You will never master anything until you teach someone else how to do it. When I was in the army, I remember the first exposure I ever had to this. It made a profound effect on me, even though it wasn't explained. I wasn't even in the army yet. I was in what's called delayed entry. We had the recruiters and a bunch of guys who were getting ready to go off to the army, and some guys came in from the active duty soldiers, and we went rappelling. And they taught us how to tie a Swiss seat for rappelling. And the guy had me do it, told me how to do it, and said, now tell me how to do it. Take it off and do it again. It took me like three times before I finally did it right. And the entire time I was telling him how to do it, he was doing anything I did, no matter how wrong it was. And I could tie a Swiss seat today, even though I haven't done it for a long time. He said, here's how you do it, now teach it to me. I didn't get it yet. I was too young to understand it yet, but I never forgot it. That's why I'm telling you about it now. And later, as I began to be a mentor for people and teach people and train people, both as you know routine job responsibilities, but more importantly, when I would learn something really empowering and, and somebody would come into my life and I realized they need this skill and I help them with it, I learned that at that moment of teaching, that's when I was really mastering the skill. No matter how good I could perform it, I really didn't have mastery of it until I could teach it. And that was everything from how to garden to how to shoot to how to think about business and everything in between. Not only must you banish ignorance through knowledge, but the only way you'll truly banish it is by teaching people. And you don't have to be a, have no some kind of messiah complex running around teaching people they don't want to know. Think, act, be an example. You will attract people that want to learn what you have to teach. And when the opportunity arises, don't let fear get in your way. Don't think it's arrogant. To accept the fact that you know more than somebody else. As long as you do, it's not arrogance. And that person probably would like nothing more than for you to share what you know with them. When somebody's resistant to being taught, let it go. Don't try to force it. There's enough willing students out there. Banish ignorance. See it as your enemy. I want you to make land ownership a goal in your life. It is one of the true forms of wealth that exist in the world today. True ownership of land. Make sure you make it part of what you're doing. That doesn't mean you get stupid with real estate. Real estate is not a 100% safe investment, as we've all learned. But at some point in your life, you need to make the transition from renting something from somebody else and empowering their wealth to owning something and empowering your wealth. I want you to know that the reason people came to this country was to own land. That was the number one thing that brought people to America. In much of the world, while this country was being founded, there was still the remnants of a feudal system where people could not own land. There are still nations in the world today where people cannot actually really own their land. And people have said to me, as long as I have to pay property taxes, I don't really own my land. I'm not saying you're completely wrong, but you're not completely right either. There is going to be an expense associated with the maintenance of any piece of land anyway. 
Now, going somewhere where taxes are low, being smart about it, making sure you can afford it as an afterthought, not as a primary objective, great. But own land. Create homesteads for yourself. We have got to stop looking at our houses as financial flips in this country and start saying, I want to live here. I'm not buying this so that I can move up. I'm not buying this so I can go shop in a trendy shop down the street. I want to live here. Wherever it is, I want to be part of this community. I want to grow old here. Someday I want to die here. That's the kind of places we need to be buying. We have people today that buy enormous McMansions with the plan that when I get up to like 65 and when I'm ready to retire, one of the things I'm going to do is sell this house, cash out the equity, and go buy a smaller home. Why? Why would you build the memories of your life in a place for 30 or 40 years only to, at the end of your life, say that it doesn't really matter to you. It's not really important to you. You don't really need that. Wouldn't you have been better off all that money that went into that house building a homestead with it? Creating independence with it? Creating liberty with it? Instead of at 65 or 60 or 55 or 75 or whenever you want to quote retire wouldn't, wouldn't it be better to have a retirement where you call the electric company and go I'm retired now And, uh, I've, I, you know, what part of my retirement was building up enough alternative energy. I don't need you anymore. Turn my shit off. Isn't that better than selling a McMansion for whatever you can get based on the economy, how it works out, and going and buying some little small condo somewhere? Doesn't that make more sense? Doesn't it make sense to spend the majority of your life in the place that you actually want to be when you finish out your life? Why have we lost that? Because we don't see our homes as true homes anymore. Now they're just houses. I want to buy a house. That's what most people say. How about you look for a home? That's what I want America to start doing again. Looking for a home. Realizing that maybe there is a place for the starter home. You know? Because you can't afford what you really want. And you got to make a living in the interim. And it's better than renting. But isn't, shouldn't your goal be, before you're old, really old, to find your home and live the best years of your life in a home versus a house? The difference might seem small, but the more you think about it, the deeper you'll realize it is. Turn your home into a homestead. I want you to understand the false promises of government help. Government help has created more poverty in this nation than should ever be here. Most of the poor that are being helped by the government are being held in poverty by that same government help. Now, we've created this situation. We've allowed it to occur. Class warfare has been used to put it in place. We've been made to fear the fear and hate the welfare recipient and pity. What we haven't been taught to do is empower the welfare recipient to not be on welfare anymore. We haven't understood the reason they make their decisions. We haven't understood things like, as soon as they start to work, even if they're making less than they were making from assistance, they lose all their assistance. And then you wonder why they don't work. They've been taught that they're inferior for so long that many of them believe it. And that is the false promise of government help. You see politicians get up and say, we need to give people a hand up, not a hand out. But then they don't do anything to change anything, do they? Your actions 
are what changes things. You want to change the inner city, go in there and start establishing community gardens. Give people pride. Don't give them a handout of food. Go in there with paint and help them restore their neighborhoods. Put some pride back in it. That will fix America. Make people believe in who and what they are as individuals. Make them stand up and say, I deserve a right to more and I will go get it versus somebody please give it to me. That's how we change America. We have to understand that. We have to also turn away from the counterfeit American dream. This is the greatest evil ever perpetrated on America. You've been sold a dream of what society says you should have versus clinging to a dream of what you really want. The American dream today is the big, beautiful house, the big, beautiful yard, the two beautiful cars, and the kids that are in every activity under the sun, and mom is in her organizations, and dad is in his, and the yard is perfectly manicured and trimmed and square and boring. And everybody's in debt, because if you're not in debt in this country, you're no one. We're actually told that. We're training our students in high school that debt is good. That debt is the path. We are training people mentally, and we have been doing this for a hundred years, that if you go to work for a company and stay there for a long time, you're a loyal, hardworking employee. No matter how inefficient you are and how little is being done for your life, that that is a principle to be valued. Loyalty to the company you work for. I'm not saying to be disloyal, but how about some loyalty to yourself? How about some belief in yourself? How about when you've worked somewhere long enough that you've learned everything you possibly can, and you're in a nowhere point, you can't go forward, you can't learn anything anymore, and there's no more progression for you there, you say, the hell with this, and you go find a place where you can learn more, and you can progress. How about we start valuing that? No one ever created a company by working in a company for their entire life. No one ever did anything truly great without risk. And no one ever achieves anything great when they live their life with foolish risk. Walking around living your life on a credit card is a foolish risk. Having two car payments, each of which could actually buy you a home, is foolish risk. Spending most of what you have is a foolish risk. Because the day that the income gets shut off, you lose everything that you thought was so important. The counterfeit American dream is what the TV and nowadays the computer tells you it is. It's owning all the gadgets, it's having all the nice stuff, it's driving the new cars. You know what the real American dream is? The real, real American dream doesn't say anything negative about people that want that. If that's what you want... That is fine. If you understand what you're doing when you go into that world, that is fine. If you do it the right way and you pull it off, that is fine. The real American dream, the real American dream, folks, understand this. You can have anything that you want as long as you're willing to work for it. And once you acquire it, you have a right to keep it. Does that sound selfish? You have a right to keep what's yours might sound selfish. We leave the first half off. You can acquire, you can be, you can have, you can do anything you want as long as you're willing to work hard for it. As soon as we put that part in there, it's not selfish anymore. It doesn't just magically appear. You're not greedy for wanting to keep some of what you earn. You earned it. 
And what happens when we look at that American dream? You say, well, how is that different? If I want a McMansion, if that's what I want, if I want the new iPhone as soon as it comes out, if I can afford it, isn't the American dream for me to have that? Absolutely. But is that what you really want, or is that what you're trying to fill some kind of hole in your soul with? All I'm saying is that we should all back up and evaluate that dream for ourselves and make sure that when we're working for something, we're not working for what, we're not going to college because we're supposed to. We're going to college because we want to learn something. If we're in college and we realize we're not learning what we thought we would learn, we need to change direction or maybe not go. If we're in a job we hate, we need to find a new one. That we, when we get that pre-approved credit card letter, we don't necessarily fill it out and send it back in because the guy that we were in high school with told us to build our credit. Who's, you know, teaching 17-year-olds how to get into debt. And we have people in high school doing that today. It's not even their fault. They've been sold a bill of goods themselves. We have to start thinking as individuals. The American dream is not whatever comes on the TV as the American dream. The American dream is not becoming president. The American dream is not becoming a congressman. The American dream is not becoming a titan of industry. The American dream is whatever you want that you're willing to work for. And by earning it, you have the right to it as private property. That was the promise that made people come here. And that's why we had such self-reliant people 150 years ago in this country. That's what they came here for. The American dream is whatever you want it to be. Don't let somebody else tell you what your dream is. I want you to understand a final thing here as we close up today. If you want to reclaim your nation, if you want to take your country back, I hear a lot of that saying right now, you have to take your life back first. How the hell are you going to take back the country on behalf of 300 million Americans when you are not running and controlling your own life, when you are not captaining your own ship? Start in your backyard. Verify what the American dream is to you, what you really want. Make your actions congruent with your desires. Don't be afraid of that. If you have any twinge that if I, if I act congruent with what I want, I'll do bad things. No, you won't. The very fact that you ask the question says you're an inherently good person. You might want a million dollars, but you want less than wanting a million dollars to go out and steal it from somebody. What you really want is to do something that makes you worth that much. That's what you really want when you say, I want a million dollars. Make your actions congruent with your desires. Be a real person. Be a human being. When you realize you've heard enough of bullshit on the TV, turn the damn thing off and read a fiction novel. You'll get more out of it. Believe in yourself. Believe in your fellow Americans, including the people that your government has told you to give up on. And realize they've told somebody else to give up on you. And if they're lying about you, you fill in the blank. You make the next connection. If they lie about you to others, then they will lie to you about those same people. Understand that. This is what survivalism is really all about. Survivalism is not just waking up tomorrow breathing. That is the number one rule of survival, to be here tomorrow. But once we get past that, how about thriving? How about control of our own lives? How about self-sufficiency so that we make choices versus having choices handed to us? 
That's what survivalism really is. That's what I hope this show is achieving for people. And that's all I've got today. I'll pour it out to you. That's what I want. I know there wasn't a lot of what to do stuff today, but hopefully how to think is just as important to you as what to do. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Tomorrow's going to be call-in Friday, 866-65-THINK, to call in your questions, thoughts, and things like that. If you call in today, it'll probably be next week before you're on, but I've, I've kicked out the backlog. Plenty of room for new callers. Please call in your questions. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they Nobody up there cares, they're living for